everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, April 22nd, 2018. Was, was I even watching Y&R this week, or was I watching the first half of the movie 9 to 5, you know, where Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda think that they've killed the boss, and now these three average working gals have to figure out how to dispose of the body. The only difference, though, is that that movie was funny, and Y&R was not funny. It was a dark, dark week. A lot of it was not even logical, if you ask me. First off, I mean, I just got to start with the fact that Nikki Newman must have some kind of crazy brute strength because just one quick blow, I assume to the head, by a 65-year-old woman and J.T. Hellstrom goes down. That man is strong. He works out a lot. <laughs> and Nikki just takes a poker, whacks him somewhere on his body once. We didn't even see if it was in the head. And he just goes down and dies a bloodless death right there on Victoria's bedroom floor. Did she, like, she would have to stab him through the neck or <laughs> something. In reality, I, he wouldn't just get whacked on the head and go down. I mean, like, the, if she did, like, do some kind of death blow and get him through the neck or, like, into the brain stem or something, he'd be flipping around on the floor, bleeding to death. None of that happened. <laughs> trying to make sense of something that really, really didn't make sense. Everything about this and everything that followed was so wrong and so unnecessary. And I don't know about you guys, but I kind of blame Phyllis <laughs> for the way that everything went down after JT's death. I, I really think that Phyllis should just be a prosecutor. I don't know if she's watched one too many Dateline episodes or what, but she could just fully take over Christine's job because Phyllis was ready to convict Nikki and Victoria and Sharon and herself and poor Mariah, who wasn't even present for the homicide. Mariah was passed out in another room, and Phyllis is judge, jury, and executioner on everyone with this twisted line of logic about how the police are going to lock them all away for what has happened here. It was complete paranoia on Phyllis's part. I don't know if she is just extra paranoid about Christine and the fact that that's one of her big enemies? I don't know, but the way that Phyllis led the charge to cover up the homicide made everything so much worse. I'm putting myself into the shoes of, of these ladies and trying to put myself into this situation. I cannot imagine that I would have just gone along with what Phyllis was saying. Saying. She steamrolled everyone else in the room and kind of forced them into a situation where they were going to have to cover it up. Like, I, I can't help wondering if 
Sharon hadn't left that bedroom to go deal with Mariah when Mariah woke up and Sharon had to kind of get Mariah out of the house. I wonder if Sharon would have been in the room. Is there any chance that a more reasonable, rational, sensible path would have emerged? Because Sharon, Sharon's first instinct was go, uh, JT goes down and Sharon tells Victoria to get JT's neckties. They're going to tie him up right then and there. I'm like, that's one degree away from being nine to five, you know, where they go to the, the store and they get the garage door opener equipment and they're going to, he's still, of course, the boss is still alive, but they're going to tie him up and put a dog collar on him and keep him restrained. <laughs> like Sharon was headed in a more like, let's tie him up until the police get here situation. But no, I mean, Phyllis just made it all completely worse. It was completely self-defense. The whole situation, it was completely self-defense. It was completely understandable. And there was a moment after JT was dead and they all decided they were going to work together to not call the police and to cover it up, where Nikki was downstairs in the living room talking to the other women. And she was saying to them that she had this horrible experience with her own father, where her own father tried to rape her and she had to kill him to protect herself and Nikki was saying look I vowed right then and there in that moment when I killed my own father that I would always protect my daughter well that's all the more reason to just own what you did Nikki tell that to the police go to the police but they did not do that, and it was mostly because Phyllis was not hearing any other argument. Anytime somebody tried to present something rational, Phyllis said, no, if you even think about going to the police, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. So when Paul shows up looking for JT, because he now knows that JT was the one who tried to kill Victor, he has a warrant for the place. He, you know, is going to search the, the whole place. And I mean, every every interaction that anyone has had with Paul the entire week has just been lies, lies, lies. There were so many opportunities to reach out to Paul. I thought Nikki was friends with Paul. Why could we not have just talked to Paul and explained? the situation. I know that Paul and Christine are pretty vicious at wanting to go after our pure residents of Genoa City, but I can't help but feel that there was a really logical explanation and compelling argument for self-defense. Everybody was there. Everybody saw it. Everybody could back it up. And now it's just worse. On top of killing a man and lying to the police about it, these four women have to somehow come up with the very uncivilized matter of what to do with JT's body. I mean, the whole conversation that they had about, well, we could put him in a rowboat and row him out into the middle of Lake Michigan and weigh him down and dump him into the cold, dark water. It was 
straight out of a movie. I mean, they're they're also they're going through the scenarios, talking also about digging the hole. Like they're gonna. I mean, and the fact that the ground is frozen, it was way morbid. And, and then, as they're talking about like where they're gonna bury this guy, JT, Victor, you know what, what Victoria's ex-husband, father to Reed, father to two other little children. They're thinking about where they're going to dump the body. And Nikki says, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, I already know where there's a hole. We wouldn't even have to dig. Yeah, okay, so do you guys remember two weeks ago when we were fawning over those big, splashy, happy umbrellas. <laughs> yeah, Chancellor Park, right in that very happy umbrella spot. Um, Catherine's Memorial Park. That seems like a great place to dump a body. So they roll JT up in a rug. They slide him down the stairs. They push him out the door. They drive him to Chancellor Park. And they roll him into a hole that's already dug in the ground. It was so dark that I have to find a way to wrap my brain around it or make some kind of light of it because, I mean, even the aftermath of the aftermath, the gravity of what has just been done, if I let that sink into my psyche for too long, I'm going to be real bummed out. Because now, on top of everything that that we've been through with JT and his abuse of Victoria and his attempted murder of Victor and the accident of his death and just thinking about these women who I would like to respect um, just going through with disposing of a body of a character that I remember from the 90s that has a history on the show and then like having to go through the cleanup, getting rid of his phone, getting rid of the fireplace poker slash homicide weapon, burning the rug in a giant incinerator at the ranch. I mean, the, the heaviness of that is almost too heavy for me. And then I'm sure next week, I mean, a little we had to deal with it a little bit this week, but I'm sure we're going to have to even more deal with next week the fact that, uh... Grandma just killed Reed's dad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know if YNR is going to just try to let us forget about all of this. The fact that anybody can even move on with their lives after this, especially Victoria. The fact that Victoria would want to go back to the office, that anybody could just continue on. It's... It's absurd to me. I almost wish that this part of the story would just go away. <laughs> I would like to not have to think about this anymore. But I am thinking that we're at least going to be on this track for a couple more weeks. Nick it was vowing 
to find JT and bring him to justice for trying to kill Victor. That's the only part of it that Nick knows. Well, good luck with that, Nick. You're not going to find JT. And both, well, mostly Phyllis, but both Phyllis and Sharon are paranoid that Nick is going to poke around and unearth the truth, pun intended. So... There's going to be all that we're going to have to deal with next week, too. There was a moment where Nick made a phone call to Sharon, and he happens to want to meet her at Chancellor Park. Tells her to come to Chancellor Park to the exact spot where the women buried JT's body. And, by the way, that was pretty much the exact spot where Lily and Kane were having a conversation later in the week, by the way. Like, they apparently picked the busiest place in Chancellor Park to bury a body, but Nick's standing there. He calls, mysteriously calls Sharon to this spot and says, I have something to tell you. And of course, she thinks that he knows everything about what has just happened. But in reality, no, Nick has just decided that he wants to grow. <laughs> this is absurd. A vegetable garden on the exact spot where they buried JT's body. He wants to grow a vegetable garden with JT juice. He wants to grow some juicy tomatoes, some JT. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, oh, the darkness of all of the, everything else that happened. And then imagining that we're flash forwarding to spring <laughs> and like vegetables are popping out of this spot where we know JT's buried. Oh my goodness. I can't. I almost can't. I've been through enough already with the abuse, the domestic abuse storyline. I just can't now imagine JT tomatoes growing up off the vine, plus JT corn growing out of the stock, and JT beets popping up of the ground. Pun also regretfully intended. Man, I hope nobody was expecting me to take this whole thing seriously this week because I just can't. It is too much. I mean, I have been so engrossed in Victoria and JT's relationship and just the brutal nature of it that I don't, e I can't even hardly take anymore. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it occurred to me after last week's YNR chat that I I've been so wrapped up in the Victoria and JT storyline trying to make sense out of what JT did to her that I barely paid attention to the fact that he tried to kill Victor. That was such an afterthought to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I also kind of figure who hasn't tried to kill Victor. I mean, that's, that's understandable. It's a little more understandable to me that someone would want to kill Victor than that someone would want to manipulate Victoria. Oh, it was such a great, great performance, though, by Eric Braden early in the week as he woke up and it took every bit of energy that he had in his body to tell Nick, JT did this to me. What a performance. I mean, just Eric Braden is magic. He is just 
so good. That moment was so good because Victor's been struggling to try to say what happened to him. He was almost murdered and Nick is not really understanding it. It speaks to the surprise of the fact that, it, that JT would turn out to be this type of character that Nick never would have imagined it either. Victor's been able to communicate the JT's name, but nobody thinks that he's trying to say JT murdered him. Nick thinks, oh, what? You want to, you want to see JT? What? You know, JT, uh, you want me to bring him here? You know, I mean, it's just, it, it was everything that Victor had in him to communicate what no one, the, the unthinkable, what no one ever would have thought. Um, it, it, J, um, Paul and Cricket did already start to put together the pieces about JT by then, so Victor's story was really just matching up with the fact that they did a test on that little bit of blood that was found at the ranch, and um, that it was a match to JT. So it was enough pieces of the puzzle for Paul and Christine to put together, realize that JT was the one who must have gotten caught in the middle of his little mission with Victor, and that he was the one who uh, assaulted and attempted to murder Victor. Um, it was that moment with Paul and Christine um, that made me realize that I really think I would have preferred to see JT go to jail than to Die. I mean, I'm watching the women cover up the murder, and I'm thinking, I don't really want to see this. I, I didn't want to see him dead. I didn't want to see the women covering up the murder. But it wasn't until I looked at Paul and Christine that it really kind of realized that justice would have been a better ending for JT, wouldn't it? I, I feel like unresolved now. The fact that he's dead and that it was a wrong that was then covered up by another wrong, it just all kind of feels wrong to me. And I have a feeling that the majority of you are feeling that way too. I asked you guys last week if you felt that JT's death was a good ending to this story. That was our poll question. And 66% of you, the majority, felt no, you would have rather have seen the story go in a different direction. I will say, at the beginning of the week, those results were a little more even. And then as we started to realize that not only is JT dead, but there's going to be a cover-up, I, I saw those votes creep a little more toward not being happy with the story. But this is the ending that we got, and now we're just stuck with it. I guess. Um, there's very little resolution. The one thing that I did think was nice was seeing Victoria visit Victor in the hospital. I liked that after everything that's gone down, after everything she's gone through, she did have a moment where she went to visit her father and she was expecting Victor to give her a, a big I told you so. He had warned her against JT when she first started getting involved with JT. And so she goes to Victor's bedside and she starts to put a lot of the blame on herself, saying, you were right. I was 
weak, I was wrong, and you know, you you warned me about JT, and I'm sure you're ashamed of me. I mean, all of that was in her mind. Um, and uh, Victor just looked at his daughter with love, and you know, I mean, he didn't blame her at all. I just thought it, it ended in a nice father-daughter moment of realizing that Victoria was feeling this way, but that's not the perception that Victor had. Victor loves his daughter. He's, he certainly would never blame her for being abused, you know, being in, a, in a, an abusive situation. It was an, at least a nice full circle moment there. I... Uh, Speaking also of Victor, just continuing on Victor, <laughs> Helen shows back up at the hospital. It makes me uncomfortable seeing Victor and Helen together. I'm not entirely sure why. I don't think it's the age difference necessarily. Maybe it's just because when I see Helen there with Victor, I imagine what their lovemaking <laughs> must be like. And it's a little pukey <laughs> to me anyway. Um, it's, it's weird. It's weird having her there. At least though, Okay, fine. Nikki and Victor have an agreement. They're allowed to see other people, but at least Nikki had the good sense to tell Arturo to stay away from the hospital. She understood the terms of the agreement. Like, okay, we agree that we're going to see other people, but we're not going to rub each other's faces in it. And... I think that's exactly what Victor was doing. Nikki shows up at the hospital while Helen is there, and Victor is saying, I want her to stay, and I want her to be the one to take me home to the ranch. And to me, that did just feel like he was flaunting the affair with Nikki, and that didn't seem quite right. Especially then when they got back to the ranch, and Victor was inviting Helen to stay for dinner, saying, well, she's my guest. I want her to stay for dinner. Look, look, secret mistress going on outside the house. That's one thing. Inviting her in the house to dine at their dining room table at the ranch, that's entirely another thing. I mean, to me, that just felt like asking way too much. It didn't feel appropriate to, to me whatsoever. Um, I wonder if you guys were having that reaction too. I think we should get a poll going this week about this whole arrangement between Nikki and Victor. Is anybody else a little put off by this? Like, what do you think? Nikki and Victor's open marriage, is it a yay or a nay to you? YRChat.com is where you can cast your vote on that. Leave some comments. I mean, ultimately, I guess if Nikki's allowing it, then I suppose I should try to become comfortable with it. She is standing by Victor. There was a moment later in the week where Jack came to visit Victor. He wanted to get a, a thank you. I guess, for saving Victor's life. it was That was a little bit of a rich moment, considering we all know Jack had to think long and hard before making that phone call to 911. But Jack's also there to let Victor know that he's on to him about his whole plan with 
Kyle. Well, as soon as Jack walks through the door, he sees Helen. Helen's his lead chemist, and he immediately thinks, oh, well, Helen's just in on the plan to uh, usurp Jabot and to, to backstab me. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, then, that when Nikki told Jack why Helen was really there, that Jack had to hold back a little bit of vomit. <laughs> Jack was very floored. His reaction was funny. He said something like, well, that's very cosmopolitan of you or something. You know, it's very forward thinking of you. Okay, open marriage. All right. Aren't you guys advanced? Um... But Nikki told him what the truth is, and she came back at Jack a little bit and let Jack know that it doesn't really matter what he thinks about their arrangement. This is what works for them, and it's really none of his business. Victor's my partner, and I am his. It's just so weird, though. It's just so weird. I'm thinking back to all of Nikki and Victor's marriages, but specifically the first one with her in the big gown and her young face, and then I'm flashing forward all these years later and thinking, gosh, is is this where I would have imagined the show's number one most popular all-time couple being? Not really. <laughs> Not really. And... To boot, I'm not so convinced that Nikki is really all that okay with it. I don't know if she's as okay with it as she's letting on because she, she did turn around and as soon as she knew Helen was going to be staying, she did turn around and was secretly texting with Arturo asking him if he could swing by. So is this just going to become a one-upping match where Nikki and Victor are making out in public or something with their each with their partners and just like uh, trying to be as elaborate as possible about how into the other partner they are with while, while Nikki and Victor are actually just like side eye glancing each other is that is that is that so cosmopolitan is that 2018 is that the the 2018 Victor and Nikki that you want to see At the beginning of the week, Jack is cleared of all the mur attempted murder charges, but he's not out of jail. Okay, for weeks, <laughs> when the police thought that Jack was guilty, he was able to sit right there in that waiting room and hold court with anyone he'd like. He had visitors coming in left and right, and now that everyone knows he's innocent, not only is he stuck in jail, but Cricket tells him that he's not allowed to have guests. Abby and Ashley are trying to get in to talk to him because this board vote is going down with or without Jack, and they were hoping to just get his proxy so that they could cast Jack's vote even while he was in jail. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, really? All of a sudden? <laughs> all of a sudden you can't get a hold of Jack? Can't go into that little waiting room that's no longer available? Whatever. The drama was worth it. <laughs> it's it's time for this big board vote. Kyle springs it on everyone. He is trying to take Jabot public. So the vote is yay. If you would like to have Jabot have a, an initial public offering or nay, if you 
essentially are just going to be loyal to Jack and to the Abbott family. Of course, Kyle votes in favor of his own plan, along with Lauren, who has already explained her matter of thinking and her agenda behind wanting to do this. We also have those extra people who only show up for board meetings. Those people were there for their for their meeting, and they voted with Kyle, of course, the convenient for plot extra board members. <laughs> they also voted with Kyle to balance it all out. But uh, the Abbots vote against it, of course. Billy and Ashley and Abby and we have Tracy's proxy. The family doesn't want this public this company to go public. So the swing vote comes down to Phyllis. And Phyllis shows up late to, to the board meeting. She had a 10 a.m. appointment to cover up evidence in a homicide, and this 11 a.m. board meeting was just really bumping up against that. So she was a little late, but she does walk in, and she ends up casting her vote in favor of taking the company public. I was really, really surprised by that. I think Phyllis is going to have some questions that are going to need to be answered. Jack's not going to be happy with her. Billy is not going to be happy with her. Why would she risk her relationship with Billy over this? I didn't think that her job was that important to her. I think she did it because she, I mean, I suppose she did it because she is her own woman and she felt it was a good business move and she wanted to stay in in Lauren's good favor. It just, it seemed a little surprising to me, that move. I don't know if you guys thought that or not, but it basically broke the tie. So because of Phyllis's vote, the, uh, the, the, the board agrees to take the company public. Well, Ashley's not about to let that happen. Ashley was literally standing up and getting ready to declare this entire coup invalid by revealing Jack's paternity test results that not only is Jack not an abbot, but that means Kyle's not a blood abbot. But the second she stands up, opens her mouth, who should bust through the door but Jack Abbott, all suited up and freed from jail and he was fuming. He throws open the door and says, I'm back. And guess what? This vote is null and void. Now get out of my chair, Kyle. <laughs> Yay! That was an applause-worthy moment. It was... Jack's hero moment. I felt that he was the hero coming to rescue us from King Kyle. It was it was good to see Kyle get knocked down a few pegs. He's now groveling, though, of course. Uh, he is doing everything he can to try to stay in Jack's favor, even though everyone sees right through him. But Jack's in a really hard position, though. This is his son. He realizes that Kyle is troubled, but that doesn't mean that he's completely lost hope that he can pull him back to the good side, pull him back into to the family. Jack does give Kyle a chance to air his daddy issues directly to daddy, and they sit down, and the two have a conversation where Kyle does make a good point that Jack 
apparently sidelined him from the business. I didn't even know that Jabot had a New York office. Did you know this? I didn't know there was a Jabot New York office, nor did I know that that's where Kyle has been working. Who knew? Um, why would? Why do they need the New York office when clearly Genoa City is the hub base, everything that they would possibly need? Uh, but... I mean, Kyle did make a good point that uh, he, he was sidelined from the business, and worse, that Jack has, through the Blood Abbott Clause, and through some of his actions, made the company not feel like a family business, especially about, you know, over what he did to Ashley. So Kyle did have some good points to bring up with Jack, but we, as the audience, know that he had an ulterior motive. Kyle can yap all day long about how great of an opportunity he thinks offering this IPO would be and how he was just trying to do what he thought was best for the company while Jack was away, but we know he was working with Victor to steal the company away from Jack. We know that he was hoping to buy up majority shares. So in that way, uh, you know, I, I have no sympathy for Kyle whatsoever. Any of the song and dance that he is giving to us is, is, is completely lost on me. He is, though, in a way, a chip off the old block in the way that he does do a pretty good job of manipulating and schmoozing and that I mean just watching him during that champagne toast what a smarmy little worm and there have been points over the past you know decades that I've thought gosh Jack is such a smarmy little worm but Jack has so many great redeeming qualities Jack will let himself go to the edge and then he just has a way of pulling himself back whereas we haven't seen Kyle pulling himself back and I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon he's trying very hard to insert himself into the Abbott family and into the Abbott business uh, for nefarious means. He's asked to move back into the mansion, which Abby and Ashley, who who are making kind of a fun little mother-daughter team, I could legitimately flash forward uh, 30 years and see Ashley and Abby just being fun old biddies together. Like I love the way Abby and Ashley are just always in the corner, kind of to each other. And that's exactly how they feel about Kyle. They don't want him anywhere near the Abbott home. Um, it completely un is that complete. That's completely understandable to them. But Jack doesn't have all of the information. And this is Jack's son, after all. I mean, Jack doesn't fully trust him. But some of the things that Kyle said rang true to Jack, and it hit him in a spot of his guilt. I, Jack feels guilty that Kyle has turned out to be this. And, like, there's some truth to Kyle's feelings of alienation. And I don't think that Jack wants to do anything to make it any worse. I think, you know, at the very least, he wants to try to not make the situation any worse, make his relationship with Kyle any worse than it already is. Jack doesn't want to make the same mistake 
that Victor made with Adam uh, when Adam came to town. You know, when Adam first came into the fold, Victor gave him preferential treatment over his other children, but there was still always a feeling that Adam had as being an outsider. And look what happened with Victor and Adam's relationship. It also ended up leading to Adam's death. I mean, that the rivalry that Adam and Victor had ended up leading to Adam's death. I thought that was a nice tie-in, by the way, that Jack spoke openly about his relationship with Adam. He knew the way that Adam felt and the way that Victor made Adam felt, and I liked that he tied that into his own relationship with his son because we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, you know, making comparisons between Kyle and Adam. And even if there are zero comparisons to be made between Kyle and Adam, the comparison that matters is the fact that Jack's worried about it. Jack's worried about becoming Victor. Jack's worried about having an Adam-Victor type relationship with his son. So Jack agrees to let the fox into the hen house. Very dangerous. But, I mean, Dina loves him. Dina is loving having Kyle around. So what could the harm be? Again, Jack doesn't have all of the information. Dina is kind of the issue. Unbeknownst to Jack, I mean, uh, Dina is talking openly about this affair with this man that she loved very much and who she claims is Jack's father. Now, that information hasn't hit anyone's else's ears yet, but it's probably going to. Abby has <laughs> she has um the memory cards of all of the video interviews that Dina has been doing over the course of the past couple of weeks talking about Jack's real father and uh Charlie stops by the mansion to ask for them he's going to edit edit them all together and Abby realizes that I absolutely cannot let this piece of information out of our family's hands. It is of utmost importance. So Abby does a little slick move where she hands Charlie all of the other memory cards, but she just keeps to the side the one where Dina was in-depth talking about Jack's paternity. So she tells Ashley, it's okay, don't freak out. I've got the memory card. And Ashley is relieved, of course. They decide that we just need to get rid of this information. It's better if nobody ever hears this at all. So they start a fire, <laughs> suspiciously start a fire in the middle of the spring uh, in, the, in, the, in the Abbott living room, and they decide to toss that memory card into the flames. But Kyle <laughs> comes along pretty quickly after them and digs that memory card out of the fire. We see as the Friday cliffhanger that he's gotten a hold of it. He's taken a look at it. He knows it's important. He knows those two girls were up to something and he's going to find out. I mean, for crying out loud, I jiggle my memory card the wrong way and it won't play ever. This memory card burned for an hour and Kyle's going to pop it into his laptop and it will magically play flawlessly.
Victoria returns to work because, you know, the best way to keep your mind off of the fact that you just covered up a homicide is to get back to the grind. <laughs> Ridiculous. But Victoria does go back to work and she's very much still eager to fight for her position as CEO of Newman Enterprises. But... Ashley's right there, ready to do the exact same thing. And Ashley assumes that the fact that JT leaked that memo uh, out to the entire company, making Victoria's demotion known, Ashley assumes that means she's the one who Victor has chosen to take over the company and she's ready to do so. But Victor apparently has other plans while Ashley and Victoria are bickering and fighting about who's going to be the top dog, Nikki walks right into the office and announces that she is going to be the new CEO. Why wasn't Nikki working at Newman all along, like years ago? Why doesn't Nikki work at Newman Enterprises? I loved the way... Ashley and Victoria looked at Nikki like she was crazy. They looked at her like she was wildly underqualified. And Nikki said, um, excuse me. I was co-owner of NVP. I ran for the Senate. I think I can handle it. I just, I loved it. I loved that Nikki had made this announcement that she's planning on not just being an in-name only CEO. She's going to be hands-on here and the haters can just go away. I, I She just seemed so strong and so confident in that moment, and I loved it. I think that Nikki is going to be killer in this position. I think that Nikki is going to murder the competition. I just have a feeling that Nikki is going to slay those profit margins. Neil is back! Neil is back! I am so happy to see Christoph St. John. His face looking real grumpy on my screen still made me happy. <laughs> it was awesome. I couldn't help but feel like he had a little extra spring in his step, maybe. <laughs> it was a surprise to me. I didn't know he was coming back this week, so I saw his face. He's coming right up into the a middle of a Devon and Hillary argument, and I I was thrilled. <laughs> so excited to see what Neil is going to bring to the Winters family, to all of the drama that's going on with Devon and Hillary. I mean, Neil has missed a lot. He has been away in a, in a time when a lot of things have happened. He didn't even know that Lily had established a modeling company with Devon's okay, of course. I mean, Devon decided to invest in this whole nother venture, and apparently he didn't tell Neil about it, and Neil wasn't exactly happy, not just about that, but the overall feeling that Devon has been making unilateral decisions at the business. I mean, Devon's been the one that's been there for the day-to-day, -day, though. You can't exactly step away from the business and not even show up for months and months and months and just assume that Devon was having his hands tied and he was he was supposed to run every single little thing by you. No, Devon was there 
every day, making things happen, moving and shaking. So I think that Devon seemed completely legitimate in making his decisions, but Neil didn't like it. Neil's not really liking this whole letting Devon take the lead thing. He wants to be his equal partner. And to throw some fuel onto that fire... Um, Neil also didn't know that Devon had embarked upon this baby-making project with Hillary, and Neil doesn't like it. Neil sees this as another sign that Devon is a little bit out of control. He sees it as a red flag anyway. I was a little surprised, though, at how against it Neil was. I thought that Neil was on pretty decent terms with Hillary when he left town. Maybe that was just in my imagination, but Neil was very, very blunt about his feelings, and he told Devon, uh, do you know who Hillary is? This woman has gone to great lengths to cause problems for our family. Why would you willingly want to, for one thing, get involved with her, but for another thing, continue to be involved with her forever? Why would you want to tie yourself to her? Um, I was a little impressed by... Devon standing up for himself. I mean, I agree that these are not the best decisions. As you know, if, in general, I would say this was probably not one of Devon's very best ideas. But I like that he stood by them. I mean, Devon is in the process of also realizing that this wasn't a good idea, getting involved with Hillary and the baby thing. Not a good idea. But he still did stand up for himself and say, I'm not going to take orders from you. Um, these are my decisions. These are my mistakes. I'm going to make them. So I was pleased with that. Um, but they are so neither of them. Nobody there going to get rid of Hillary quite that easily. Hillary is here to stay. She is like rubbing her belly and rubbing it in everyone's face every chance she gets that she might very well be pregnant with Devon's child, the heir to Hamilton Winters. And so she feels that gives her license to be involved in the family and to be involved in the business. Uh, she, <laughs> she has very much asserted herself and she even had a... Um, fainting spell at the athletic club which she has taken as a confirmation that she is indeed pregnant she doesn't even know if she's pregnant and she's still making these assertions she's still rubbing her belly she is feeling it she is getting into the pregnancy experience without even ever being there like she fainted at the athletic club so we as viewers know that is a surefire bet that she is pregnant and Next week, we saw um, Hillary, the little preview, showed Hillary giving Devon the good news that she's pregnant with a champagne toast, apparently. Um, doesn't, I don't know, it seems a little obvious though, right? Doesn't it seem a little obvious? Like the writing is on the wall? I'm waiting for a twist. Maybe that's just me always looking for a twist. But is there any chance that Hillary's not pregnant? Is there any chance that Hillary might fake her pregnancy? We haven't seen one of those in a while. On a 
honesty can be a bitch sometimes. Last week, that was our Who Said It quote. It was Nikki. I don't know why, but hearing Nikki say that line was really jarring for me. Honesty can be a bitch sometimes. She was saying it to the, the margarita crew. <laughs> it was a very honest moment for her. Of course, that was before the whole JT thing went down. Nikki was feeling a little loose by proxy, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it was a, a, an interesting moment. Five of you guys guessed it right. So congratulations, Henry, Robbie, Jillian, Gina, and... Ambreen. <laughs> um, we have had such a dark week and it has felt kind of hopeless at some point. So I don't know why, but this little moment of positivity caught me. And you can tell me if you think you know who said it. The future is yours for the taking. It just seemed happy. Like, I don't know why. I heard it and I thought, you know what? Yeah, the future is yours for the taking. You can go to whyourchat.com if you think you know who said that. And you'll see right where you can leave your guess. And if you're one of the ones who gets it right next week, I will give you your shout out on whyinourchat. Comments, comments, comments. Consuela says, so I guess they're doing the next on YNR as a once a week thing on Fridays to show you not just what's going to happen on the next episode, but for the next week. At least that's something. Hey, I am so glad, Consuela, to see that back. I mean, I really missed it. I think that it's a good way to give you a hook, a good way to tell you what you might be in for, a good reason to come back to the show for the week. It's interesting that they chose to do it weekly. Maybe a lot of people that are newer viewers can get lost or forget where you were from Friday to Monday. I don't know. Maybe that's just enticing people to not just come back tomorrow, but to come back after your long weekend. I love it. I'm for it. I don't know why they chose to do it weekly instead of daily. I think it's something that can work on a daily basis. Uh, but hey, if that's what they're going to give me, I'm going to take it. Consuela also says, I love the idea of Billy coming back to Jabot. And I agree with Jack about making Jabot a family business again. Ashley needs to come back. And I don't see why Abby hasn't come back to Jabot, seeing as she feels so unappreciated at Newman. Let's make Jabot family friendly again. You know what? All of the businesses, in a way, in our on our show, are making moves toward becoming more family-friendly. It's clear that Jack wants to try to undo some of the damage to that that he did by um, wanting to, you know, bring in Kyle, and he want he he would be happy if Abby and Ashley would come back to Jabot, I think. But we also are seeing Nikki getting involved at Newman Enterprises. Nick doesn't have a job, so he might very well choose to go back to Newman. And then we had Neil talking a lot this week about making Hamilton Winters a family business. So we're moving toward family businesses for sure. And then we have Kane. He's kind of left it waving out in the wind, especially now that Billy has uh, stepped down at Chancellor and is going to be at uh, Jabot full time, which I think is great too. I do like that. I like seeing Billy there. 
Aunt Daisy says, I hope Jack and Billy figure out fully what Kyle's plans are and then stop whatever he's planning. I also like this comment from Daisy that maybe Helen is not with Victor, but a part of whatever plan that Victor and Kyle have for Jabot. Didn't Kyle bring Helen into Jabot after he fired Gloria? Um, well, no, uh, Helen was hired by Jack. So Helen was definitely there at the company prior to Kyle taking over. But you make a good point that it's still certainly possible that Helen could be working with Kyle or with Victor. I mean, it is a little bit suspicious that she is in a key position at Jabot and she's dating Victor. I think it'll be interesting to see what comes of that next week. Diana says, <laughs> if Abby had wrapped that flash drive in a Kleenex and put it in the garbage, no one ever would have found it. Just saying. <laughs> That's funny to me because I immediately thought, gosh, you know, starting this fire kind of makes it a little obvious that you're up to something in addition to the way Abby and Ashley were acting a little suspicious. So yeah, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. And Kyle caught on to that pretty quickly. Kara says, I guarantee you guys that Abby got the flash drives mixed up. I have a chilling feeling that the truth about Jack's paternity is in Charlie's hands now. That'd be an interesting twist. How would that even work out? If Charlie got the information, he could tell Lily and Kane. Um, Lily does have a relationship with Billy. Billy could find that out. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that they could go. I agree that Kyle just getting the information could be um, a little bit obvious. But what is he going to do once he gets the information? Let's say next week he looks at the flash drive. It works perfectly. He learns about Dina's story. It really only hurts him to reveal this information. So I'm not quite sure what Kyle could do with this information other than just hurt Jack, if that's his goal. Um, Justin says, I do not like the direction that YNR has taken with Kyle. Kyle has always been faithful and loyal to his father. When Jack was addicted to painkillers, Kyle was by his side. Kyle even worked at Newman Enterprises just so that he could act as a spy for Jack, despite him being against the idea. Kyle never held a grudge against Jack for not being a full-time part of his childhood or disagreed with how he ran Jabot. He hated how Victor treated Jack. This new Kyle is a complete contradiction from the Kyle we had in the past. I hope this Kyle changes and becomes faithful to his father again. Robbie says, I think the problem I have with Kyle is that for the most part, Jack is a good man. Jack does not deserve to be targeted by his own son like this. If we compare Kyle to Adam, Adam was one of my favorite characters and was terrible to Victor in the early days, but Victor was pretty much a villain most of the time, so it was easier to see the good in Adam. Um, yeah, I think that Kyle will have a turnaround, no doubt. I mean, we haven't seen him for too long. I mean, what's it been? Less than a month. So I have a feeling there is some character work they can do on Kyle. I think we need to start seeing some hints of some humanity from Kyle because they have definitely made him just 
like we always say, a one-dimensional villain. We understand what his motivation is against his father. I mean, as Justin says, it's a little out of the blue. But um, I definitely think they need to work on giving him some more of a redeemable personality because at this point, it is a little hard to want to do anything but give him a wedgie. Uh, Isabel left me a message saying that she was kind of feeling a Kyle and Mariah pairing. Like, Mariah could get involved with Kyle and ba balance him out, make him a little less kyle <laughs> And Kyle could bring out a, a little bit of Mariah's mischievous side. You know, I do wonder what the future holds for that little interaction. YNR showed us that for a reason. Um, we didn't really see any follow-up on it yet. We, Mariah is sort of stuck sidelined right now. I wonder why YNR decided to not involve her specifically in the cover-up storyline. I don't know if it's just so that Sharon will have someone to confide in about it or if they have other plans for Mariah, but she is, she's stuck right now a little bit. Um, and if they're not going to develop her relationship with Tessa, uh, I want to, I want to see something more from Mariah. We got a, a good taste of what this actress is capable of, and I think there's so much more they could do. Oh, so many comments about uh, JT and the cover-up and the murder, and a lot of people were not happy. And let me tell you, I had dozens of people coming out of the internet land this week just to let me know they've been watching the shows from the beginning, and they really have to think long and hard about whether they're going to continue to watch <laughs> due to this development. Let me tell you, I did not like this story at all. I didn't like JT's death. Uh, I certainly did not like like the murder cover-up, but it is not enough to make me stop watching this show. No, no, no. Um, T. Nicole says, Phyllis, I love you, but you frustrate me. You cannot make the call for all of the women on how the JT situation should be handled because of your fear. The police are here for this reason, to help. There will be no closure for these women, and keeping it hidden will haunt them. Three out of four of the women wanted to call the police, so that should have been it. Agreed. Phyllis dominated them. I don't know why they let it happen. That's the bigger question to me. Why did you let this happen? I can understand, I guess in a way, that Nikki and Victoria would have been so stunned by what happened. Uh, but Sharon should have stepped in. And that's why I'm saying if Sharon hadn't stepped out of the room to deal with Mariah, I feel like Sharon could have got in there and presented a different side uh, of an argument. I mean, it was completely Phyllis's paranoia that took over and drove all of the decision making in the aftermath. Uh, Gary says, so here's how it's going to be. Every day, Phyllis is going to go around and bully everyone about what she wants done with the burial caper. She's going to be throwing the professionals off the track, etc., etc. I'm already sick of it. <laughs> Gary says, I'd like to see the women put their heads together and find a way to frame Phyllis of the murder and the burial, then wash their hands of the whole thing. 
<laughs> oh, I know that's a joke, but I tell you what, that it you are right on track about what we're going to be seeing. Whether it's um, just going to last next week or whether we're going to continue to see it, Phyllis is just going to go around reinforcing to everyone that they made the right decision and she's just going to continue to try to control, control, control it. I mean, at this point, I wish it would just go away. I don't want to see the truth about it come out. What are they going to do? I mean, what are they going to do? Dig up the body? Uh, Let's be done. Anna says, hey, Nikki did the right thing. (laughs) Nikki did the right thing. And the strength from these women would have been in telling the truth. It would have bonded them together. Agreed, Anna. Now it's like instead of them being bonded and all of the good things that came from the margarita party and Victoria opening up, it's it's kind of washed away by the fact that they did this really horrible thing and it's going to haunt them forever. That cannot just go away in your mentality. I mean, as viewers, we're going to have to. I'm trying to. I don't want to focus on it too hard or I'm going to go there. But, um, I mean, as characters, it's not even feasible to think that this wouldn't be... I mean, you'd you'd be in a ball, right? I mean, you'd be in bed probably constantly crying and just, I mean, how could you, how could you deal with this? How could you conceive of, of this in reality? Tony says, you know, they did a nice job on the abuse PSA story. They let it develop over time, and it seemed plausible. Then they leapt into this comical killer thing. It would have been better if they'd just kidnapped JT, made him pay for a while in a comical way if we must, then give him to Christine for some comeuppance. That would have been truer, more rewarding to viewers, more sincere, and... Give closure to genuine victims. We don't want victims to think they can just kill their attackers and bury them in the park. I see similarities to another old Alfred Hitchcock movie here. Yes. Yes. Um, Connor also says this is going to have long-lasting side effects for Victoria, Nikki, Sharon, and Phyllis. Uh, Can you even imagine how this would haunt you? Is Weinart just going to drop this? That's what my instinct is telling me. That, that We'll have maybe another couple weeks of yada, yada, yeah, we got to acknowledge what happened, but I don't think they're going to drag this out. I think it needs to go away. Shelly says JT's body needs to move. It can not, under any circumstances, stay in Chancellor Park. Nuh-uh. No way. I'm certain someone will come across it very soon. No more Genoa City residents unknowingly leering over JT's body, please. (laughs) Do you guys think that body will ever be found? Is that... I don't think so. I just don't think so. Although, um... I did uh, go to the Soaps in Depth website this week and saw that Mal Young had made a comment about um, next week someone in the group uh, becoming overcome with guilt and begins to crack. That's obviously going to be Sharon. I wonder if if she's going to confide to Mariah because I don't want to think that it would be Nick. Although Zuperplex says, truthfully, if Nick would have found out, like when back when he was kind of knocking on the door and they were figuring out what they were going to do, uh, Nick, it really, really would have only helped them. Uh, I agree, Zuperplex. Somebody needed to inject some realism into that situation, and I was, I was with you in hoping that maybe Nick would be that. 
Uh, Tina Cole mentions that Reed is now going to want answers about why out of nowhere for him it all went downhill. But no one is providing him with enough explanation. How are you supposed to handle this situation if you're Victoria? Well, it looks like next week, Tina Cole, from the preview, Reed is going to be asking a lot of hard questions of Victoria. And also, Marianne says maybe JT's end will open up more revelations about his character since Mac will be back later this month. I didn't know that. Uh, Marianne says, I suspect the children are also going to show up. Uh, they are probably about close to Charlie and Maddie's age. Maybe Reed might open up to someone about JT and even reveal secrets that he felt he could not tell Victoria while JT was around. There might also be belongings that JT left behind, both in Genoa City and DC, that would reveal some secrets as well. I I hope so. I, I didn't know Mac was coming back, but I do hope that they use her to tie up some loose ends because there are a few of them. Okay, let's switch topics here. Ellen says, good to see you, Neil, but maybe you could take it down a notch. How about thank you for managing everything on your own while I was away, Devon? Or if you have a problem, talk to your son in private. Don't just start chewing him out in front of Lily and Hillary. Devon did well to hold his temper. I would have told dear old dad that his behavior was totally inappropriate and to make an appointment with Tessa if he wants to talk further. Devon is not some kid with a paper route. If Neil didn't stay current on things while he was away, it's his own fault. Good grief, Ellen says. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. Welcome back, Neil. But I, I, I was feeling Devon uh, when it came to that. I mean, Devon did a lot to try to hold down the fort. And Neil came back immediately and started picking it apart. It's a little bit against the new vision that he is saying that he has for Hamilton Winters. If you want to have a family business, step one might be to start respecting all of the members of the family and bringing them in and trying to incorporate their ideas as opposed to trying to tear down uh, the, the good work that they have been doing. Okay, everybody, let's end it there and hope that next week is a little more cheery. <laughs> I don't necessarily expect that to happen, but it can't get more dark than it was last week and in the last couple weeks. I need some, I need Wyander to take me to spring. I need Wyander to take me to some kind of happy place. Can we go back to those umbrellas, please? I was so happy in that moment, and I'm just contrasting that with where I was uh, over the past uh, you know, week or two. Mm. Well, whyrchat.com if you'd like to leave some comments about what you've seen this past week, or you can also chat about the show as you're watching it next week. It's always fun to uh, hear what people are saying as the story's unfolding. Again, it's whyrchat.com for your comments. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday to tell you what I am thinking about the show. <laughs> Okay, everybody, have a good week. I love ya. Bye.